Hey, and welcome to the Badger Talks podcast, the podcast which interviews experts from the University of Wisconsin-Madison community about their work, programs, and research, and what they're like as people too. I'm your host, Ben Rush. Listening to this podcast will also give you a sneak peek of an upcoming longer talk by each guest. Our guest today, Barb Durst, will give a talk called Improving Health Outcomes Through Evidence-Based Decision-Making on November 11th at noon central time virtually. A link to the virtual talk, as well as past and upcoming talks, is in the show notes. For now, let's dive into the interview with Barb Durst. Thanks, Barb, for joining me on the Badger Talks podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great. Like always, I'm going to start with some basic questions. Could you say your name and the pronouns you use, please? Sure. My name is Barb Durst, and I use uh, pronouns she, her, and hers. Great. And if someone was going to bump into you on the street, what might you look like? What I might look like if they if someone bumped into me on the street, I'm a middle aged um, woman with sort of blondish hair. I'm sort of medium tall and I would say medium build. All right. Lots of mediums in there. Any identities you'd like to highlight about yourself? My identities to highlight, I guess I'm a mom and um, I'm a passionate person about food security. And um, so I guess I would um, highlight those two things. Great. I'm with you on that food security. And before we go into the more open-ended questions, what are your roles on UW-Madison's campus? My role on UW-Madison is that I am the deputy director of the Master of Public Health program in the School of Medicine and Public Health. I've been in this position for about 15, a little over 15 years. Uh, prior to that, I've worked in public health for a really long time, um, 25 plus years, where I was a health officer in Greene County prior to um, being the um, working at the university. I also worked at the Office of Rural Health, so um, and have had a lot of experience in public health and rural health. Likewise, which is fun to talk to somebody from the public health background. I haven't been in it as long as you have, so I'm sure you have a bit more experience. But I feel like there's some sort of connection, I think, when you meet someone from public health. Uh, there's just that type of personality that they want to give back and help a lot of people. And I'm sure you've encountered people like that working in the health department. Yes, I, I think that um, I think that's exactly right. I think that, you know, when people go into public health, they don't necessarily... I think they go into public health because they want to make the world a better place or make the healthcare system a better place and make, make people's lives where they live, work, and play better. And uh, I think that also that people who go into public health probably aren't out to get rich. Um, so it's not an area where you can, um, you know, if you're interested in going into public health, it's not where you're going to make your millions. But you can go home at night feeling that you're making an impact. Yes, I agree 100% that it will not be a rags to riches story in public health, but really, really soul fulfilling, I think, and, and difficult at times as well. I, I think, especially in like the, the COVID pandemic or just challenging kind of systematic areas of food security, it, it can be a long toll on people who are working in that, which I think is important to highlight, but also at the same time, really rewarding when you get to break down a little bit one of those barriers or get someone who is struggling with food access, uh, food and nu especially nutritionist food. 
I think people who are going into public health as a career right now have a lot to look forward to. I think that we've all learned a lot in during the COVID pandemic about uh, just how much just how much communication is needed and and to different sectors and how difficult and challenging that has been and that has exacerbated so many other things um, such as like food security. So people who were not able to get access to food and people not having access to um, rent, to money to pay their rent and to keep their houses and um, to, you know, to provide the basics in life. And so I think that, I think that, that there have been a whole lot of things throughout this pandemic that have really come to light as a result of what happened and what we learned and that we have a lot more that we can do and that there needs to be a lot more infrastructure around public health so that we can better serve populations and particularly populations that maybe don't always get the most attention. I want to go back and get a little bit of information about what drew you to public health uh, in the beginning. So I'm actually trained as a nurse. And so when I was in nursing school, I, you know, totally was into the, you know, like what a lot of people, I shouldn't say all, but what a lot of people who go into nursing and medicine you know, they see the excitement of the emergency room and they, they see the excitement of, um, you know, providing care and fast paced and what's on TV. And that's really exciting. Grey's Anatomy, ER, all of those kinds of things. And so that's, that's really what I thought I wanted to do. And during nursing school, I had a uh, rotation in, uh, in Iowa County and that focused on public health. And I think that that experience really taught me that that I wanted to think about not just going in the hospital, being in the hospital or in a clinic and addressing issues when people had already been diagnosed with high blood pressure or high cholesterol or um, you know some chronic illness, that there were so many things that you could do to prevent that. And like looking at prevention and not only looking at just prevention through education and knowledge, but also looking at uh, prevention through policy and systems change and environmental changes and all of those kinds of things. And so that, I think that really hooked me. And after, after that experience, I really wanted to, really wanted to pursue um, public health. And so out of nursing school, I got a job in, a skilled nursing facility and stayed there for a while until a position in uh, the public health department opened up and I've worked in public health ever since. Yeah. And I think that probably ties into the talk you're going to give for Badger Talks, which is about evidence-based practices. I think when people may hear that, they might assume, well, isn't everything that we're doing kind of an evidence-based practice, but not Always. So I was wondering if you just answer the basic question of what is an evidence-based practice? One of the things that I do in the Master of Public Health program is I teach a class called evidence-based decision-making. And one of the things that I've learned throughout my career in public health is that oftentimes, you know, and, and I've stayed in touch with a lot of my colleagues across public health. I'm involved in the Wisconsin Public Health Association and, um, you know, have stayed in touch with practice. And one of the things that I think that we do is that we know as we're practicing on the ground, how busy and how, how busy things get. And so sometimes when 
there are opportunities to do um, initiatives or programs or uh, develop some something to address an issue that's been identified, we sit around a table and we think like, oh, well, what can we do to address this? And we don't necessarily take the time to really look and see what's been done before, what's been documented, what does the evidence say about what's been successful with certain populations and with certain uh, vulnerable people or certain communities or certain parts of the country. And so I've seen over my years of working in public health, how that's happened and resources are so narrow. And so sometimes programs get continued um, just because that's the way we've always done something or uh, programs have, um, you know, have been started because there's somebody's great idea, but no one's really looked to see if it's, if that's been successful in other places. And so we don't always use our resources wisely. And so those, those programs that start don't necessarily get continued or aren't sustainable because if maybe they get some funding from the Wisconsin Partnership Program or some kind of a grant, but then the community can't continue to support that. Gets complicated to even another further step by actually evaluating evidence and making sure it works that if you do the same maybe treatment or intervention that worked with one group, in a different state or even within the same city with a different population, it may not work. Um, and so I think that's one of the reasons, like you were saying, like we have to constantly evaluate this work to make sure uh, it is actually indeed working. Totally agree. I think um, you use the, a great word there, evaluation. And I think that's something that often is missing and that I really want to instill in the students in my class is that evaluation needs to start during the planning process. It can't be like three years down the road after we've tried this, you know, this program or this initiative for three years, we can't suddenly say like, hey, now let's figure out how we're going to show that this has been successful, if it was successful, or how are we going to evaluate that? And I see that all the time. And not that I mean, I, I'm not trying to be critical of my colleagues out in the world. I mean, it, they're busy. They don't always have access to the, the um, correct business practices and practices to be able to collect that information, um, to be able to dis disseminate that information. But evaluation is really important. And it's something that I, you know, I try to instill again in, in my class and the students that trying to thinking about evaluation right from the start and thinking about ways to show policymakers and show county board members and local providers how how this has been successful and how you can show that it's that it's actually doing the things that you're trying to have it do so when you my my final question for you when you are not teaching the next generation to save the world what do you like to do uh, after work I love to cook. I love to, uh, I like to try new things and I'm, I'm part of a gourmet cooking club and we get together like three or four times a year and um, cook dinner and try different kinds of wine. Uh, so I really enjoy that. I enjoy spending time with my, my children are both adults now. And so I enjoy spending time with them. I, my oldest daughter's getting married in a couple months. So I'm um, we've been doing things related to that. So that's um, kind of exciting. I like to read. I, I like to read a lot of different things from 
um, you know, from biographies to political things to kind of murder mysteries. And yeah, speaking of podcasts, I love podcasts and I love listening to true crime podcasts. So, you know, I'll try to listen to this one, you know, but my true true crime wears out or (laughs) wins out most of the time. Yeah, there's not enough murder. Uh, and I think this podcast. Yeah. Okay. We'll work on that. We'll work on that. <laughs> well, Barb, it's been a pleasure to have you on the Badger Talks podcast. I uh, look forward to learning more about your class and li- hearing your talk for Badger Talks Live too. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun to talk to you. So thank you. Thanks for listening to the Badger Talks podcast. I hope you enjoyed the interview. And if you want to catch more of Barb Durst, check out her talk on August 17th at noon central time. The link to her upcoming talk and talks by other University of Wisconsin-Madison experts is in the show notes. Until next time, be well. Badger Talks podcast is a creation by the University of Wisconsin-Madison and Deeper Than Data Media. Music composed by Bill Purdy and played by the University of Wisconsin-Madison marching band. The podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by Deeper Than Data Media. Nailed it.